Hey listeners, uh, before we get to today's podcast, I just want to thank our sponsors who make this podcast possible. First off, we have Tiny and Sons Glass. Does your vehicle have cameras or driver's assist? If so, when your windshield is replaced, it will need to be recalibrated. What is recalibration? When your vehicle's windshield is replaced, the safety systems need to then be tested to ensure that they work with your new windshield. Some vehicles require static recalibration, and others require a dynamic recalibration. Not sure who to trust to take care of this recalibration for you? Well, just call Tiny & Sons Glass in Pembroke, Mass. They're experts in auto glass and registered company of the Auto Glass Safety Council. Plus, they make it easy. They will call your insurance company for you. Get your windshield replaced by their highly trained auto glass technicians. And get your vehicle recalibrated so you can be back on the road. Tiny and Sons Glass, keeping you and your family safe. And our second sponsor today is Baxter Blue. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter Blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of the glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. The past year, we've all been glued to our devices more than ever. And here at Art, we're making more content. We have some video content. We're doing a lot of audio stuff, live streaming, which all means I'm sitting in front of the computer. Pretty much any time I'm awake, I am in front of the computer, eyes glued to the screen. Our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off the next purchase of blue light sleep or kids' glasses. Click on the link in our show notes for an exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know that you will feel the difference. So thanks again for our sponsors for sponsoring the show, and now let's jump right into the podcast. Welcome back, Inebriites. This is Andy, the Inebriart Podcast, and uh, today's guest told me they had heard about our show, so I guess I'm going to need a bigger office to start fitting my ego in here, because that's like two in a row, um, which I'm sure my friends will love the fact that I'm getting more of an ego. Um, but, uh, you know, we we had a stretch last summer where it seemed like we were doing all musicians, and we kind of, we try to mix it up, so we stepped away from musicians for a while, but now they're back, and uh, Evan Stanley, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Anyone, anytime someone wants to like boost my ego and be like, "Hey, I've heard of you," that's I'm down <laughs> for that. Um, so, I, I find the thing now is there's so many venues for music and so many types of yeah. So back in my day, and I hate saying shit like that, but uh, you know, you'd walk <laughs> into the record store and there was like country, rap, rock and classical like those four categories totally and like nowadays like no one fits in any category so the the question i like to ask artists so our listeners who may not be familiar with your work is 
who would you tour with that would make sense that people might have heard of so they can be like oh okay i know like what kind of groove they're, they're in yeah i mean that's a that's a crazy question because it's funny i i grew up like in a musical family and i always talk to my parents about it and it seems like when they were growing up everything was a lot more kind of uh segmented where like you listen to rock you listen to pop or you listen to motown you listen to whatever it was but that was it if you stepped yeah, you out didn't... of that box it was like absolutely oh, man um but then like you know my dad would always tell me about these crazy bills because he grew up in new york and he'd see these shows at the fillmore where it was like you'd have the craziest act all three on a bill in a night where it's like one i'm jealous but i want to get back to that and that's like i love festivals for that reason is yeah, yeah. you know i think it's why tour with someone that you sound super close to? And I think now is kind of the time where everyone's accepting of that. Like, I think music is so, so, so exciting now because genres are totally meaningless with uh, kind of streaming culture. It's really just whatever you fuck with. Like people like what they like and you don't have to stick to one thing. So I think as an artist, it's super, super freeing. I mean, you know, I think I'm very lucky and I don't sound like anybody out there. And that is something that, you know, when I first kind of got into um, writing and singing and playing, it was like, well, shit, like, I don't sound like all of this. What am I going to yeah. do? And now it's, it's the biggest blessing because anyone who hears my stuff has a different reference for it. And that's, you know, as soon as someone says like, oh, you're the next blank. Yeah, they, they it's over. So I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy that, uh, you know, no one seems to have the same idea about what it is that I do. And I, I love that. And I think that's because my background's super diverse. I mean, I grew up listening to like 60s psychedelic pop, 70s kind of singer songwriter, Laurel Canyon and 80s new wave kind of, uh, you know, punk type stuff. And then that's like filtered through a 90s baby growing up on Green Day and Blink-182 and then catching whiffs of like Motown from my parents. So it's kind of all over the place. And, you know, I think that's, that's how you make something interesting is like, it's, you learn by copying and then by bringing your own kind of weirdness, whether it's sounds or arrangements or vantage points to what you're copying, that's how you get something new and kind of fresh. Yeah. You know, I, I like a lot of what you're saying. It, it's like, I remember, when I was a kid, like Aerosmith did the crossover with Run DMC and Anthrax did one with Public Enemy. Oh, so sick. <laughs> and then um, uh, Perry Farrell put together like the first Lollapalooza and the bill on that was insane. Mm -hmm. Like those were the best shows because everybody was there, you know? And you Oh, totally. I mean, so, sorry, I went to outside. No, no, I, I get with, this, uh, with this Zoom lag. Anyone who's listening, I'm, I'm not an asshole. I don't mean to cut people off. You just uh, you got a couple second lag. Um, like I remember going to Coachella for the first time when I was like 13, 14 maybe, 13. Yeah. And it was like that was the first time I'd been to a festival. Like I'd been to, at that point, probably thousands of shows. But like mm -hmm. a festival was like, oh my God, this is nonstop. This is every day for three days and it's like anything i feel like like i saw a hot chip and then i saw jack johnson it's like yeah. what is, it's so sick and then i saw prince like that's wild oh man you saw prince i never got to see prince yeah you know the the thing that's so i'm really lucky i've gotten to see a lot a lot of kind of heroes of mine the only problem is some of them i saw when i was either too young or hadn't connected 
connected with him yet. So like for me at that point, I was 13. It was like, oh, cool, Prince. Like my parents like him. Like yeah. I didn't even know. I couldn't have <laughs> named you. If you had a gun to my head, I couldn't name one Prince song then. And uh, now it's like, geez, man, I would have killed to go back to that show now. Like I, I didn't actually get into Prince till after he died. It was one of those things where, you know, like everybody's heard Prince. You can't exist sure. and not hear Prince. But like I never – I mean, I was, I vibed with it, but I just never kind of went down that rabbit hole for whatever reason, it wasn't the right time or place. And then I was living in New York and, and he passed away and it was one of those things where I'm like, all right, I need to listen to Prince. Like I should like Prince. I feel like everything about Prince I like, he's a cool motherfucker. Like I, I like what I've heard. Like I need to listen to Prince. And I just kind of binged his stuff and it was like, oh my God, like I, it was, I didn't realize the scope of it. Like whoa you know there, you know there's was... so many musicians like that where even like i mean i was at the perfect age when nirvana broke i was like i think junior year in high school so like oh man that was like my band and mm -hmm. like even going back and because my daughter's gotten into nirvana and you know, I'll put on like Nevermind or Bleach or an album and you're just like, oh my God, like every yeah. song is amazing. Like I, you know, I forgot all about this song or I forgot all about that song. It's just, sometimes you need to I'm deep dive that musician. Totally. That's, I mean, that's the best, that's the best feeling is, you know, especially now. I mean, every single day I'm working at least 12 hours on my stuff or writing or producing for other people. And, you know, it's, it's just a scramble. And so much of that too is, consuming i mean you can't especially in these times it's like we can't live so it's like you kind of get inspiration from what you're listening to so i listen to everything and i listen to everything that's coming out and everything that's doing well and everything that's not and just i try and consume as much music as i can but there are only so many hours in the day so it's like i'm not really you know listening to what kind of sparked that love um initially at least not the same amount from school and i'd listen I listen to music or play guitar from three o'clock until, you know, whenever I, I fell asleep, I, I'm listening to, you know, just 12 hours of stuff a day getting inspired. And, you know, the other day I kind of, I put everything down and I just took it down. I'm just going to listen to shit that I love. And like the stuff that, because there's so much stuff I listen to now every day that I love, but I'm talking like the stuff that got me into music when I was yeah. like a kid. And I went back and it's funny you mentioned Nirvana because they're actually kind of the reason I started playing guitar and I didn't even like them back then, but okay. my best friend, Dustin, I went over to his house. Yeah. So like I've, I'd always see my dad play and like, that was cool, but it was, you know, that was dad's work. It didn't quite right. connect. It was like, whatever. Um, and I went over to my buddy's place and I was like 10 or 11 and he had just gotten this like red sunburst Ibanez acoustic guitar that I thought was so cool looking. He's like, look at this, check this out. And he played Smells Like Teen Spirit. And like, I didn't care about Nirvana at all. I didn't, it wasn't like I didn't like him. I just like didn't care about Nirvana in the slightest back then. But I yeah. knew the song. And the fact that he could play a song that I knew and had heard was just like, oh my God, you're magic. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> it was like, what is happening? Um, so I went home that night. I'm like, dad, you have to teach me guitar. And you know, I'd said that like a couple times to him because like, you're a kid, you want to play guitar and then you want to play soccer and then you want to play GameCube and then like you bounce right. around every other hour. So he's like, all right. And like, he showed me a couple chords, but like, I got him. Like, that was different. That was, you know, I, I really got him. And the next morning I was like, 
look. And I played him. I was like, show me more. Uh, and this is like, you know, like 6 a.m. I'm waking him up before school. And he's like, okay, like you, you guys, like if you really want to learn, like I'll get you an acoustic guitar. He got me this like Chinese little Samick guitar. He's like, you need to learn to play on a hard guitar before you move to an easy guitar. So like, <laughs> I just sat there. I sat there every day after school and I just played nonstop. But Nirvana is the thing that started that. Like, what, what do you think was different about that time? Was it just you were at the right maturity level or just like, what, I, what was I that, think, that clicking moment in your brain? I think it was probably cause that's, uh, you know, that was right around the age where I started to kind of discover music that was separate from my parents. So I'd always loved yeah. music. Like I really loved music and it always, you know, it did connect with me and move me. And uh, when I was, I must've been, five or six when the Beatles one came out, you know, like mm -hmm. all their number one hits, which also side note, what the fuck? Like a band can have like a 40 track album and every song was a number one hit. Like <laughs> that's ridiculous. Like, no, 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 not a band. The that, Beatles can do that. Not a band. Exactly. It's like, yeah. but like, how is that? That's like unfathomable. It's like, yeah, not, it's not a greatest hits. It's only number one hits. And even that has to be a double album because they had too many. Like right. that's ridiculous. Yeah. But I, like I remember that connected with me. That was the first. That was the first music that like, not just like oh this is cool, but it was like whoa like this this really. And I mean I think a lot of people obviously have that experience. That's why they had that many number ones. But like yeah. you know it really it really hit a nerve where it's like okay this like I get this this moves me. And but, but that was kind of it around that age. And you know I kind of played piano a little, but I was really shitty and didn't practice because I couldn't play the stuff I wanted to play. Like I'm learning classical stuff and it's like yeah but you know I, when i was about 10 or 11 i think is when i started really getting into music that i love totally separate from my parents just like me and my friends so like that's when like american idiot came out the green day album yep and that was i latched onto that i knew every single word of every song and listened i listened to that cover to cover at least probably I don't know, five or ten times a day like it was unreal and then i got all their stuff like I got dookie and I was like, what is this? Like that was the first time I kind of went down a rabbit hole on my own. Cause I also had the internet. Yeah. That was like right when I was starting to get access to the internet and I could search stuff and I could search like green day. And I could see that he played a Les Paul junior. I could see that he put, or I, they put this many albums and I could watch live videos. And like, I really had um, kind of the tools. Cause you know, I grew up in LA. It's not like, in New York or like other places, I guess, small towns, like you can kind of wander around after school on your own and stop at Tower Records or whatever uh, record stores there. And like LA, you have to drive everywhere. Everything's spread out. So you're kind of like stuck at your parents' disposal for a lot of that. So it was like school, home, friends' places. So there that's, was- That's what it's like in the suburbs like, too. You know, the suburbs, it's like the record exactly. store is like 45 minute drive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was walking home from school and could see something in the window be like, what is that? Like. But then I had the internet and I had uh, an iPod and I could put stuff on. <laughs> I had my mom's iTunes password to the iTunes store. And <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't realize, I, like, I'm 10. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'll buy this simple plan record. I'll buy this Blink-182 yeah. album. And I remember she sat me down and she's like, Evan, you got to stop buying this much music. She's like, I want you to listen to everything you can, but you spent $350 on iTunes in the last month. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I, like it, it was one of the, cause like the, it was the internet at that point. So yeah. it was like, like I definitely had a concept. My parents were really on me young about having a concept of money and like, just cause you want it, you can't have it. But like, 
this was different. You hit a button and then you had the album. Poof, it was like, there that, it there is. No, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, cool. Like it exists now. So, and but, you look at it, you're like, that. oh, it's like $4 and you do like three a day every day. And, but each exactly. one you're like, it's only $4. Yeah. It adds up. But that also, I mean, I, I was lucky that, you know, uh, she didn't totally flip on me. And both my parents were really cool about, you know, oh, you like this? Like, you might want to check this out. And like my dad would bring home CDs and my mom too. And, um, you know, kind of point me in directions. But right around that age is when I started to really be able to find stuff on my own. So like Green Day was actually really the main one, but like Blink-182 I loved and, you know, kind of all that stuff. That was like the age of like pop punk as mm-hmm. mainstream pop. Yeah. And like Good Charlotte and all that stuff. And uh, but Green Day, man, American Idiot. And that came out because that's one of those ones, even now I listen back and it's like every song on that is just, like it might not be your taste, but it's fucking amazing. Like right. it, they're just so well crafted, and it's such a it's such a coherent statement. Like there's nothing unnecessary, and everything adds up to something greater than the sum of the parts. It's like it's just like the ultimate album. I love that record so much, and that and it's guitar based. So I think that was a lot of it too. It's like yeah, you know, it was it was guitar music that I connected with. So at that point, were you like, I'm going to learn every song on this, like inside and out? Oh, for sure. And like every solo. And luckily for me, Green Day solos, I think also that's kind of one thing that set me off on the kind of hook and pop focused um, kind of vantage point. It's like even the guitar solos on that record, they're really melodic. Like I could Mm -hmm. sit here now and sing you back every guitar solo on that Green Day album because like they're sick and they sound really cool. But like, there's a point to them beyond just showing like, look what I can do on guitar, which side note, I also love. And (laughs) like guitar is the coolest instrument ever. Like I get it. But I think I was lucky in finding Green Day early because like they had attitude. They had a very, very clear ID and a clear feel and look Mm -hmm. and sound. Uh, But the reason they're as big as they are is because they had hooks like you know, they had, they had pop songs and that's, that's kind of the trend of everything. I really, really, really love the stuff that like really, really connects with me and always has, whether it's been, you know, uh, green day or the Beatles or the temptations or the cars, like, you know, they're all, you know, different packaging, uh, different packages of pop. It's like the songs are really the core of it everything like comes out of the song. It's not a jam. It's a song, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's something that's always really connected. I mean, Zeppelin, like there, people think of them a lot of times, like they're like the ultimate jam band and they are, they're just like the greatest band ever, but like they have the best hooks ever. Every single song. It's like, how do you make a drum part a hook? They manage it's like every, <laughs> yeah. they manage to, it's like the baseline's a hook. The guitar's a hook. The vocals are a hook. The drums are, it's like, yes, it's, insane and virtuosic and like just ridiculous and amazing but it's also memorable like everything is purposeful and i think that's you know that's something that's so important and something i always try and get across is like you know i want to make music for me but i also want to make music for people i want people to connect with it it's not you know it's not just me shredding guitar i want people to connect with the songs and what i'm saying go yeah like i've experienced that you put into words and song what i've experienced and you you've articulated it you've expressed it in a way that i can 
I can feel and I can get with. That's, you know, you know that's what I always want to do. I love jamming and I love shredding guitar because it's rad as fuck. But like, yeah. you know, I, w- I want people to be able to hear and go, I, I get that. I feel you, that. That's like, that's like a, a really interesting point and like a super important point because I feel like in all art forms, you get people who are like, well, this is my art and you just don't understand. But it's like art is really a two-way conversation with people, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what form writing music visual arts whatever dancing like if you're not involving someone else it's like you're just talking to yourself you you know it's you can have like this super elaborate difficult song to play but if someone else can't relate to it what the fuck are you doing totally and that's that's the thing i think is so interesting like i i love a lot of visual arts too and i i just love art in general i love expression and what you said is like what I think is so important is at the end of the day, art is to me like the greatest way to communicate. It's supposed to bring people together and express something that you, you can't necessarily with just words alone. And I, I think it's the most amazing and wonderful thing. And it's, and it's so cool too. And like, you know, I've been really lucky. I've gotten to travel kind of all over the world and you can connect with people who don't speak a word of your language, but you have a genuine, anyone connection you guys know what you're talking you or you know what you're uh you know having this back and forth about and that's what's so cool about it so you know i get if you have something you want to express i definitely totally get it and i've, I've done it where it's like this might be kind of hard to distill into something that everybody's going to get but i think it's your job as an artist to do your best to make it as accessible as humanly possible that's not saying take away from its core but don't be difficult to be difficult. Then you're just a dick. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> like also, like maybe maybe I'm missing something. But what's the point then? Like, you know, I don't want to be some folk hero who like 17, you know, bloggers love who never existed outside of a basement, but they like talk about nonstop. It's like, nah. Like, I want millions of people to connect to what I do. Like, that's the point to me. Right. It's like you want to bring people together. You want to build a community and an understanding, not, not push people away. Cause you don't get it. Like, well, if a lot of people don't get it, then maybe you're doing something. Kind maybe of maybe it's you that don't, that doesn't get it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Like, and again, like there's, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock any of that stuff. Like there are definitely times where you're like, I have to make this for me. Cause like, again, like I got into, I didn't get into playing guitar because I wanted to impress people or do anything other than express myself. Like that's why I got into it. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely times where it's like, all right, like this isn't the most commercial thing ever, but I got to do it. I got to do it for me. And it's, you do it and then you feel better and you feel and you go, yeah, this is, this is me and I need to do it. I need to stick with that. And I think that's amazing too. I just, I just hate when people try to be like artsy or difficult just for the sake of it. Then it's just annoying. Like, and yeah. you can tell the difference. You can like, they're totally, I mean, like there's this singer, uh, the tallest man on earth. He's like this like little tiny Swedish dude who writes the coolest folk stuff and plays amazing guitar. And his lyrics are wild. Like, so the fact that English is a second language is mind boggling. And he writes these lyrics. Hmm. And like, there's definitely times where I'll listen to something. It's like, I have no idea what he's talking about but I'm a hundred percent sure that he knows exactly what he's talking about. And that, <laughs> yeah. and, but, but that connects, like it still connects with me where it's like, he's not being difficult to be difficult. He's trying to express something that's really hard to express and he gets it. And I feel it. I don't necessarily get it, 
I can't mm-hmm. explain it to you, but I feel it. I get it in that way. And like, to me, I think that's great. Like, that's awesome. It's just when it's like, when it feels removed, that's when it gets me. When it's just like, I you feel didn't like, feel this, you thought of this. Yeah, I, I feel like some people will do that kind of thing where, and it's so hard because, all right, so I'm going to roll it back. I'm sure you saw, because it was all over the internet, where the dude like duct taped the banana to the wall. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, sometimes you do that to do it in a Banksy kind of way where you're like, art's fucked up and I'm going to do this and sell it for crazy money. And I'm going to do that to point out that art is fucked up. But then the art is not the banana on the wall. The art is what you expected to follow. And did like to me, like, and I think that's sick. Like, it's like, okay. But then you get the kind of pretentious aspect of it where like, uh, Banksy, um, had done this one piece and it sold at auction. And the second the hammer went down, it shredded. It right? shredded, and he did it as like a "fuck you" kind of thing. But the wor- the pretentious side of art, because it's noteworthy, it's now worth more than what the person paid for it, just because mm-hmm. it's famous. And it's like that's those are those people who are like talking to themselves. The the ones that are like, I'm gonna do this to make it worth more, or I'm gonna make it to be obtuse, but. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're doing it to make a statement or or because it means something because you're if you, you have to be genuine, like if it genuinely totally. means something to you. And I think people feel that like even if something that's why it's something that's, you know, whether you want to call it weird or obtuse or whatever, like when that kind of stuff succeeds on a, a wider level or a massive level, I think it's because no matter how weird it is, like people can feel generally what's real and what's not. And, mm-hmm. and I think like. Like, if it's real, it can work. It just has to be real. Um, do, you, do you ever get the feeling where there's pressure? Because, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the music business is a business. Do you ever get the pressure to kind of curtail your your voice or what you want to say to make it more marketable? Do you ever feel that pressure? Um, no. Uh, but I think also, luckily, that's because kind of my tastes and vision often align with pop i mean i think it all goes back to like i i love pop songs so you know when i always want to write the absolute best song that's possible and i think in that one one of my you know like my biggest goal is to connect with people like so i think luckily that kind of goes hand in hand um you know there are definitely times where you're like yeah, maybe this sound is like, I think it's super cool, but it's, it's not quite retro yet. And it's not fresh. So it's just dated. Yeah, let's maybe skip that sound. But like, I don't think that's a huge sacrifice. I'm, you know, on the, on the whole, no, I'm, I'm lucky where I think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shooting for the most connection possible. And not mainstream in a bad way, mainstream in a, in a good way in the sense that a lot of people connect, but the packaging, uh, you know, my voice and the way I play guitar and the way I choose my sounds and the, you know, kind of sonic landscape that, uh, you know, I want to be unique to me and that I want to be identifiable, but I don't think, I don't think I've ever felt like I've had to kind of, you know, curtail any aspects or dull it down like i'm i'm lucky because i'm kind of shooting for that so um 
but you know, it's, there are a lot of other pressures. I feel <laughs> there, there's, Such as what, there's like enough what? stuff. To, um, well, I mean, you know, the, the one thing I love, it's like, you know, I think the people who really, really do music, you don't do it because you want to, you do it because you don't have a choice. Like yeah. it's a lot easier to keep it as a hobby and get a much, much more stable, better paying job somewhere mm-hmm. else and then play sure. guitar after hours. And I, and that's amazing. Like if you're, if you're happy doing that, I think it's a really wonderful thing and a lot less stressful. Um, I, I just didn't have that choice. Like I had to do it every single fiber of my being is like, you have to do this. And even the idea of not makes me sick where it's like, okay, I also don't want to live in a tiny little apartment like I do now for the rest of my <laughs> life. And you know, it's, uh, it's, it's something that every day you're like, well, shit, like, you know, there are always those moments of, uh, yeah, I hope this works. Like, and it mm-hmm. will, I hope, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's one of those things I think that every artist feels, I mean, you know, I know my dad felt it for a long time, even after they were successful. It's like, is this real? Like, could it be taken away? Is it real? Like, Oh yeah. That kind of, I think that's something. When's it over? When's it over? <laughs> exactly. And that's, I think something people forget too, is a lot of times people, and I, I've heard it before, and this is also why I've, I've worked so hard to get, you know, to a level at what I do. Or, you know, if, if people try and knock it, it's like, great, come in a room with me and I'll I'll do better than you at whatever you want me to do better at you. And like, yeah. you know, a lot of people will say, oh, it's like, you're Paul Stanley's kid. Like, you know, you you can easily make it. You have everything. This and that. It's like, actually not true. Like, I'm I'm very lucky. We're like, obviously there are a ton of benefits of that. And I've, you know, I've, I've had, I have a great family and they've been super supportive. I've grown up, you know, in a, in a wonderful place and everything, but like, you know, I mean, the, for starters, it's like, dude, I worked at a deli all through high school. I worked retail when I moved back here, literally I was sleeping one or two hours a night working retail all day, going to the studio after and repeating, like my dad's got money. I don't like, I, <laughs> like, yeah. But I think it's I think it's a great thing too because like that's what pushes you to get good. That gives you a sense of urgency. Like doing that, I don't want to fucking steam shirts my whole life. Like yeah. you know, like sitting there was like that's what pushes you to go. All right, not only do I want to write the best song possible, I have to because I can't do this forever. Like I think it's a really really good motivating factor. But then also like you get this idea these, you know, a lot of people sometimes think, um, that because of what my dad's done or who he is, my music should be a certain way or sound a certain way. Mm Uh, and you know, I, I love, um, what my dad's done. Actually, I didn't, I didn't like listen to kiss until I was like, probably like 16, 17. Like I've obviously I'd heard them a million times, but it didn't even register. It was just like, Oh, it's dad's work. Like, yeah. And then finally I was like, you know what? Like, obviously a lot of people like this. Like I should like, try and listen, <laughs> check it listen out, listen to a record as like, as a listener. And I, I put it on in the car and listen the same way I'd listen to anything else driving around. And it was kiss alive. And I was like, shit, this is really cool. Like this is, I, okay, I get this. Like, this is really, really cool. And it was the first time I could kind of separate myself a little bit. And that was like one weird experience, but also eye opening. but it's something that, you know, I'm so proud of him. And I, I, love the stuff. Um, 
you know, some more than others, like anything, but it's not what I want to do. And it's not right. me. Like I'm, I'm not a rock guy. And that's the funny thing is like, I play guitar and I'm, I love it. And I'm a great guitar player. And I, I became a great guitar player pretty quick. Cause it's all I did. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, Oh, like I'll start a band. Let me find another guitar player, a bass player, a drummer. And we'll, we'll play songs. And like, but that kind of manifests itself a little more rock leaning and we're playing a lot and we're on tour. I'm like, why am I not happy? Like what's going on? We're, we're like, we're starting to get people to come out more consistently. Then we're starting to actually not a lot, but make a little bit of money from shows where it's like, it's great. Like, why am I not happy? And it's like, I'm not really playing the music I want to play. And it's a weird feeling to, you know, go, huh? Like, on paper, this, I, I should be stoked. Like, yeah, th um, I should, uh, I, I, this is the path I should be working. Yeah, exactly. But I wasn't. So like we got off tour and I just was like, I'm going to write the best songs I can exactly the way I hear them. Not worrying about like how we're going to play them live, not worrying about what the other guys are going to think. I'm just going to do, do me. And mm -hmm. I did. And I got these two songs out of it. Um, and I was like, shit, this is really cool. And I, I called a friend of mine who's a, great producer. I was like, Hey, like, do you want to check these out and help me kind of demo them out the way I'm hearing? Cause like, I don't really hear it like a, like a rock band. So we did, and she did a great job and we produced them together. And like, especially one of them, um, called later in Los Angeles. I was living in New York at the time. It's called later in Los Angeles. And it's like, okay, this is like, this is really good. Like I knew like this, this, I have something. And this, that was the first time where like, you know, there was always a bit of hesitation in what I was doing before where I liked it. And like, I was having a blast, but like, there was always, I think, you know, when something's right or not. And there was always just a tiny bit of me that was like, you're not there yet. It's not it yet. Like yeah. you got to just keep going. But then when I listened back to this, I was like, all right, like if this isn't it, this is the path to it. Um, yeah. And I, uh, so that it's funny that actually ended up being the song that kind of got me working with some of the guys I do now and kind of opened a lot of doors when I moved back to LA um, and will be coming out at some point um, the next few months. Uh, I don't know what, <laughs> when, where whenever, the order, yeah, where the things order are. is, but, uh, but like I showed the guys in the band and I remember, and this is no knock on them. I, I get, it's pro probably a shock where, you know, I wrote everything for the band, but it was different where I'd come in with a guitar and play it for them or like send them an iPhone note, like shitty recording of me and a guitar in my room. And then we kind of arrange it together and, you know, suss it out. But this was very different where I, I had him over and I played it and it was like a done production. It was, it was done and it sounded really good. And it was like, what is this? And not in a good, like, what is this? Like, yeah. what? Like, not, not a good one. And it, it's, it's funny. Like I, I'm relating so much with what you're saying, because when we started, when we started Nebriard, it was just like, didn't even have a name. It was just a get together. Mm -hmm. And then when we were like hey can is this is there a business idea behind here it was all about like uh everyone was doing those paint nights at a bar and yeah like 30 I'm not judging or trying to pigeonhole anybody there are women 30 women would all show up to paint and you'd walk them step by step through painting and we we were doing okay at that but it's like the whole time like this isn't this isn't what i want to do in the second we stopped trying to make it a business and started trying to promote artists and, and events. It became a business. Like, 
Mm-hmm. When, we were, when we were trying to like steer it into a business, we were having mm-hmm. trouble. When we kind of like step back and just we're like, hey, everyone's our, our two rules are everyone has to be welcome. Mm-hmm. And it has to be fun because at the time that's amazing. We had day jobs and like without without it being fun, why bother doing it? And totally. so because of that and because we kind of adopt, adopted the policy of if you come to us with an idea, we're only going to say yes and just go from there. Nice. And it just like it blew up in ways we never expected. And it, it sounds you know similar like when you were trying to force it into rock. It, yeah, it, it, you were like, I'm on the right track, but this isn't right. And then when you kind of like, right, oh, I'm just gonna relax right. and and be me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's exactly it. And it's, I, I mean, I had a blast with the guys. I'm still tight with all of them. I mean, I was texting literally last night. Like they're great dudes and great players, and they're doing really cool stuff now too. It just wasn't right. Um, and but that's a scary thing to be like, all right, I, I just got out of school. Like I'm I'm not old, but like I'm like I'm getting older. And I'm in oh, come this on. band. All right. Like, First of all, like, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> but like, you got to understand, like, this is like a no shit moment where it's like, I started this band. We really were grinding it out for like a, a year doesn't sound long or two years. But like, when that's all you're doing every waking hour, it's a long fucking time. <laughs> and like, yeah. And then it was like, shit, well, like, it's just not right. So I, I quit and I moved to LA. Um, and this writer, Andreas Carlson, I, I've kind of known forever through my dad like peripherally is a mm-hmm. big swedish pop writer and an amazing writer and great dude and i would kind of text him he was one of those dudes where i'm like i should definitely stay in touch with andreas like this guy's like the real deal writer and i would kind of send him songs when i was first starting and there was one called anticipation that i sent him and it was the first one where he was like hey this is like really good like this is really good you should keep going this is really really good and that came right after so the two kind of probably most important moments for me songwriting wise was one of the most devastating nights of my life at that point. And then okay. one of the best, uh, I, it could be the same thing. Uh, yeah, they, they, they were separate <laughs> nights and they were both, they were like opposite sides of the same coin and so helpful. Cause like talk about like being true to yourself and being honest and not being difficult for being difficult sake. Um, I've known Desmond child for a long time. Who's another, like, just like, pop writing god i've known through my dad Mm -hmm. um hilarious character ridiculous talent does not not sugarcoat shit Um, (laughs) and and, and in fact he likes to twist the knife so it's like forget sugarcoating it's like you get enjoyment out of really really uh magnifying what's there whether it's good or bad like if it's good he will flip but if it's not yeah and uh i sent him this song and he got on skype with me and we're talking it through and he loved the title he's a great title uh and it was a sick title but nothing else was sick (laughs) (laughs) but 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 the thing is like and he really tore it apart but the best thing is every single thing he ripped into there was a reason and a purpose Mm -hmm. for and every single thing it hurt like a motherfucker but I got something out of it. Like, you know, he pointed out, I mean, the first thing he goes, what does this line mean? Uh, lyrically. Um, and not in a, like, because I don't get it. It's wrong sort of way. He just goes, what does it mean? And I said, well, you know, like I'm listening to like a lot of Joni Mitchell and it could kind of be this. And it's a little, and he goes, no, no, no. What, what does it actually mean? Like, what, what does this specific line mean? And I didn't have an answer. And 
which is know, always the wrong answer. And that's the wrong answer. It's like, yeah. I, I realized in hindsight, like I could have said anything if it was confident, like maybe he would have been like, Hey, it doesn't quite come across. You might want to rethink it a little if you're really trying to get that across. But if I had confidently had an answer, I think it would have gone a lot differently. I didn't because it didn't mean anything. That line didn't mm -hmm. mean shit. And like, you know, he really went, and I, I so appreciate it. Like he gave me, I don't know if it was an hour or more discussing this two minute song, like, uh, and this dude churns out hits in an hour. So it's like, you know, right. he's getting yeah, real yeah. time. Like, and he, he's really going at it. And at the time I remember that Skype ending just being like, all right, it's over. I guess I'm just going to be, cause I just started writing. Like, I'm just going to be the guitar player forever. Like I can't write songs. I can't do it. This is the worst thing ever. Um, and then after about two or three days of sulking, it's like, all right, like I'm already too far down the rabbit hole. There's no way I'm not doing this. So let's, let's figure out what I can take away from that. And that's when I kind of started looking at it objectively and realizing, wow, like every single thing he tore into, he did with purpose and every single thing, he didn't just say, this isn't good or this is bad for, cause it's shitty. Like every single thing he didn't like, he told me exactly why he didn't like. And he gave me kind of the map of how to fix it. And everybody, everybody needs that friend, man. Like I, uh, I have a friend of mine, Adam Miller. Every mm -hmm. once in a while, I'll send him a piece that I'm working on and be like, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. And by the end of the conversation, I'm usually like, I need a hug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. I was shell shocked. Like it was, but it's purposeful. It was, he, he's not, he, yeah, he's not shitting on you. He's like, this no, needs just being straight. Exactly. And you know, up until that point, like I'd always, you know, my dad's the same way. And thankfully, like when I first started playing guitar, you know, I'd always ask him, what, what can I do better? Cause like, you know, it's nice to hear you're doing great, but like, if that's all you hear, you're never going to be the best. Like, right. you know, I always want to hear that. So I was used to that when it came to guitar or anything um, in that, or like playing with a band, getting it tight or whatever, like, but I never really shown someone a song and had it ripped apart. So that was mm -hmm. a new thing where it's like, my baby, I was so precious with it. It was, it was horrible. Hey, my like, baby, really... even I hate it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, like I felt like I was about to throw up for like days. And then finally it was like, okay, like I got to just cut the shit and figure this out. And I did. And it was the most helpful thing anyone's ever told me this, you know, he really ripped it apart, but he did it so I like artfully. It was, it was great. Yeah. And so then I, I wrote a couple more and I, you know, one of the ones I wrote a few months later uh, was this song Anticipation. I sent it to Andreas and he was like, this is good. He's like, this is really good. Like you can really write. So mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I have this one amazing pop writer totally tearing this stuff apart, but he also gave me a lot of his time. He didn't do that for no reason. Like there has to be something to it. And he showed me exactly how to fix it. So I did. And then I had this another amazing pop writer going, Hey, this is really good. Like you should keep going. Mm -hmm. And so occasionally I would send Andrea songs and he was awesome. Like he'd really same thing. Like he'd give me feedback and like, he kind of gave me his approach to like, this is how I approach lyrics. If I get stuck or like, this is where I'll start. And it was super helpful. So I kind of always knew like he vibed with the stuff and he was, he was about it. So I was in LA after tour. Um, actually when I, I had kind of wrote those songs that I told you about and I had lunch with him and I was kind of just explaining to him, like, I'm like bummed and I don't know why. And he's like, well, dude, just like quit the band and move to LA and we'll do stuff. Um, I was like, okay. So I did. And, <laughs> um, you know, that was a, a few month process of being in New York, going out of my mind, like trying to 
figure out what to do, but I did. I came around and I did it. And uh, I was scared shitless because it was like hitting the reset button. Um, you know, no band, no job. I got back to LA and like quickly started working retail just like to get out of the house and like mm-hmm. get, you know, at least kind of on my feet life wise. And then Andreas introduced me to his friend Christian, who's, uh, I didn't know at the time, but he's produced and written a ton of huge pop stuff. And, you know, at that point, I just went over that night to his place. Andreas is like, he lives kind of far out. He's like in the hills between like Agora and Malibu. It's like, this is like, this is a drive from LA, yeah. keep in okay. mind. And he's like, but it's worth it. Just like, trust me, like, you want to go out there. So we went out there. In East and, Coast terms, that's probably like Massachusetts to Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this is not close. And, uh, uh, but I mean, it's not too bad. It's probably like, it was like 45 minutes or an hour oh, from I where so. I was. Like, but like, it felt long. It, it yeah. feels far. Um, and I get there. And Andres is like, play Kirsten that song later in Los Angeles. And I, I played it and he like really, really responded to that. He's like, the arrangement's all wrong, but this song is great. And I was like, what? He's like, what? the bridge is the chorus. The verses are amazing pre's and we got to rewrite verses. And I was just like, I, I don't hear it, but I, I trust him. Like he's like right. this amazing. And he responded so quickly, so positively, but also so sure. He's like, he's like this is so obvious and he opened logic and like quickly started cutting stuff and he's like uh, go sing some new verse idea melodies and within the night we basically had what is now the song los angeles um the bridge became the chorus the verses <laughs> became the pre's and then we really quickly rewrote new verses and that was the first song we did and then christian's like this is really cool man we should do another come back and i came back and we did another and he's like yeah dude this is this is cool why don't you come back and then Pretty soon he's like, you know, here, here's a key. Like you use the studio whenever you want, come, come through. And with that, it was just like every day after work and thank God, like he's a total night owl. This dude does not, he sleeps the weirdest hours, but it worked great. Cause I would go to work and then come and work with him. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he was the absolute best in terms of also really, really being about me finding my shit he's like don't do stuff to chase trends or anything he's like you gotta just he's like go in the room lock the door and like just do you just like figure out what you love the best figure out what you sound the best on just do the most you and like he would push me sometimes he'd come in and like just say the weirdest shit just to get me to respond in a certain way and like he pulled so much stuff out of me that i didn't know was there and showed me so much that i i didn't even know was an option and you know, I learned so much about, he's the one who got me into production, him and Andreas. And, you know, I kind of just watched him make stuff and that's how I learned. Uh, but, you know, that was really that moment of like, kind of what you're saying of like, step, step back for a minute. Don't mm-hmm. think about how this is going to fit in to anything. Just what are you the best at? What do you love? What excites you and what gets you going? And, you know, I did that for a year. Like I did with nothing to show anybody. You know, everyone I was close with, my my parents included, knew like you're gone a lot and you're doing stuff a lot. Like, what the fuck are you working on? Like, don't really <laughs> show anybody things. Um, uh, but it but it paid off, and now it's you know now I'm comfortable and confident that like for the first time ever, like I'm happy to put down anything you know uh, of mine 
on anyone's desk to listen to with no disclaimers, nothing else. And it's like, that's me. And like, you might not like it. It might not be your taste, but it's fucking sick. And yeah. like, and, 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 it, and I'm, I'm so stoked to be able to say that we're like, you know, and you got to build, but like now I'm so stoked today, actually, uh, my first real single, uh, just dropped in the video this morning, um, oh, nice. called El Camino. So anyone out there, check that out on any of your DSPs or YouTube or anywhere you can find music, you'll find all, it. all, all the music it places, El yeah. and, uh, but you know, everything from here on out, you know, uh, I'll be putting something out at least every six weeks, probably less. And, uh, let me, let me ask more, you, I guess, more frequently, but real, like, let me ask you real quick because yeah, that that's an interesting way of saying it. Cause I feel like in your dad's day, you drop mm-hmm. an album a year, maybe every two mm-hmm. years. Do you feel it's different now where you have to kind of space? Oh, hell yeah. Out? Like, like if you're not putting out, especially as a, st- like starting out yeah if you're not putting out a song every like i was gonna say like four to eight but probably more like four to six weeks if you're not putting out a single every four to six weeks like you're already setting yourself way behind like you got to just be churning out so much stuff i think like and i mean you know i haven't made it yet so what do i know but i'm uh, from everything that i've seen and as a consumer you know if you're not putting out a shit ton of stuff you're shooting yourself in the foot like you got to just be constant Mm-hmm. Um, but that excites me now. Cause like now I, I work every single day and I'm so stoked to obviously not always, but for the most part, each song that gets finished. Cause like if I, I usually, you know, I'll start an idea, I go pretty hard at it for a day or two. I put it down and then I listen a couple days later and it's like, if it's good, I'll finish it. And if not, you know, it was, it, it'd be like that. But like, you know, everyone that gets finished is better than the last. And every song from here on out, like, El Camino forward, I test that shit in the car next to my favorite stuff. So like I have a playlist of all the stuff that I love that's working right now. And I yeah. drop my stuff just in the middle of it and drive around. And if it doesn't get me stoked and doesn't sound at least as good as everything on there, then I did something wrong and I go back to the drawing board. So like I'm, it, it's the best feeling in the world. And it happened for the first time this year is like, you know, I put a song of mine just in a playlist randomly. I, and it popped up and it's like, shit, if I heard this and it wasn't me, I'd be jealous. Like mm-hmm. if, if this came on and I didn't know what it was, I'd go, fuck, like, I wish I thought of that. I wish I did that. Yeah. But I did. Like, that's the, that's the yeah. best feeling ever. And I've never had that before, you know, and that's, that's come after, I can't tell you how many sleepless nights just working through stuff and just trying stuff and going, wow, that's horrible. I shouldn't do that. (laughs) And like, and then you, and then, or holy shit, like that is so me and it feels so right. And I do it so effortlessly. That's, that's the ticket. It's like, you know, I've kind of gone down just a path of like, I guess self-discovery if you want to get all hippy dippy about no, it. But like, I mean, you know, you lock I, the doors, turn the lights out and see what comes out. I feel like that's any true creative person. That's the goal. And you never really 
you never actually discover who you are because you're constantly changing. So it's like you're always trying to be like, totally. well, what does this mean now? And like, well, or you go back and you, you know, look at something or listening to something from like five, six years ago. And you're like, oh, what was that about? <laughs> you know? <sighs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's it's this weird like it, I hear like a lot of perfectionism in in you, you know, where you're like, oh, I could do better. I, I should do be doing better. So like, where do you? And in, in, I I totally get it because there. Anytime I do anything and it, it gets hung yeah. anywhere or sold or whatever, anytime I see it, I go, well, that sucks right there, and that's not right, and. Like so, when oh, do you dude, find that point to it's, put it down? Like when when are you like this is done? It's, it's never done, and I, I, <laughs> you can hear it too. Oh, yeah. Like it's like it's it just gets to a point where it's like I think I've learned to accept like and because even the stuff I'm talking about where it's like is yeah, it is I'll it is it a I'm done of working on this? I don't. It's different for everyone, but I think yeah. it just gets to a point where it's like. I've learned that there's always going to be stuff that I think I can fix or I think I can do better. But truthfully, before a song comes out, I'll spend at least like with El Camino, I spent at least two full days going in circles going, this one little sound could be better and trying stuff for hours going, no, like maybe it can be, but I, I really, I, I don't know how to make it better. I've tried everything I could possibly be hearing. Yeah. Uh, this line needs a harmony. I've sung it a thousand ways. I've tried it hundred different harmonies i thought it in theory and maybe i felt it a little when it wasn't there but it's worse off when it is there so i really just i just try and poke as many holes as i can in the kind of i want category or it should be you know by by luckily it's you know i guess with a painting or drawing it's like you can't really try everything the same way because it's like if you yeah you can't we we can't go and well, I don't know. Digital digital art now is so okay. That's sim- similar to music, where it's like, oh, I can mm-hmm. just hit the undo button twelve times that's, and go, you know. But I'm not a digital art true. person, so yeah, it's it's yeah. It's like I can't, I cannot imagine what it's like working without an undo. I would go out of my mind. Like I'm really lucky <laughs> where I can say like, this needs another guitar part, and then I try like thirty guitar parts. You go, eh, I was wrong. Delete. <laughs> like you know, like. I think the the way I stay sane is really that it's just, you put in the hours of like, I'm going to just try shit until I've just run the tank empty of stuff to try. And like, yeah, I might still feel when I hear it that it needs this or it needs this, but I can safely say like, I tried, man. Like I really, I tried. We're like, yeah, it doesn't change the way I feel, but I tried. And like, you know, it's still, like I said, it's the car test. Like, if it gets me really stoked next to mm-hmm. all the stuff I love and if I react to it after not hearing it for like a week and put it in that list and if I really react, then it's like, all right, I did something right. So like, yes, there's always going to be shit that drives me crazy, but I just try and I try and accept it and move on to the next because you're right. I mean, I think we're similar in that way of like, there's always stuff you wish you could change, yeah. but I just go, okay, I'm going to make the next one better. I- I'm always about the deadline. Mm-hmm. So if if you ask me to do something or paint something or whatever, and you're like, oh, just whenever I go, cool, it's not going to be done ever. Like, 100%. You, you won't get I, it. It's just not going to happen. But if you give me a deadline, I may go past the deadline if I don't think it's done. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, that gives me that point where at that deadline, I can go, I'm happy enough that this is going to go out or, yeah. you know, whatever. So, 
without a deadline, it just it never even gets started. I don't know. It's, no, because it's not as pressing. It's like, yeah. it's my, it's, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm curious actually, like, cause my biggest source of inspiration, like, yes, there are definitely those moments. Like, I mean, when we're living our lives and actually doing shit, it's different. It happens a lot more often, but especially since being locked in with this virus, it's like the amount of times I'm just like, Oh, you guys have that too. To finally, <laughs> it's like, what, what virus, yeah. man? Um, you know, that kind of like divine inspiration where it's like, oh my God, I have this emotion. I have to put this into song. And like, you wake up from a dream and it's done. Like that happens, but like a lot less so now that we're not doing anything. So like my biggest inspiration is like, I love what I do and I need to keep going. So I just do it every single day. And then, you know, you have a label partner or PR or someone going, hey, uh, so we need the video by the 16th. And it's like, well, shit, it's the sixth. Like, I guess we got to figure <laughs> yeah. it out. Like, you know, it's, it's, I'm the same way where it's like, hey, so uh, the first two singles, we got queued up and it's great. What's number three? And then I'm looking through the list and it's like, I have a lot of great stuff, but it, none of them feel right for number three. Guess it's back to the studio. And it's like, yeah. that's like the inspiration. 20 days to like, do it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I love that. Like, I, I think stress can be a very positive thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think when we started this podcast, it was every two weeks and mm -hmm. then it became a weekly podcast. And part of that is what keeps me going. is just that idea of like, totally. Well, I, I need an episode and, and we've, <laughs> yeah, we've cranked episodes out in three days. Um, mm -hmm. Not mm -hmm. ideal. We're much better now, but um, <sighs> it, it's that, it's that driving force that the, the calendar pushes oh, yeah. you forward um this year and it's so funny we've talked to so many people it's affected everyone so differently like painting and drawing i have done almost nothing this year i just yeah. haven't had the motivation the only time i've done anything has been in a collaborative thing um and one was so great um i, I got to work on a, a collaborative piece with my daughter and, oh that's awesome oh uh, so great cool. it, it was so much fun it was beautiful i was like summertime we were painting outside and uh th so that like really energized me i'm like oh cool i'm back and then like immediately had no interest in, in doing it again now i'm working uh with another friend on a on a triptych canvas piece and it's it's the collaborative thing it's the other person going hey when are we getting together to do this and 100 uh, yeah so that's been huge but uh oh, I'm, I'm the same way through this i've been basically quarantined locked in with uh my buddy max who's been my you know, my best friend since we were 12, uh, mm -hmm. and is another great guitar player, producer, writer, and uh, Christian, who is, you know, kind of my mentor now partner and all this stuff. Uh, we've just been us three kind of locked in together working and exactly the same thing. It's like, I wake up feeling absolute shit a lot of days, but then I get a text from Max or Christian. It's like, yo, when are you coming through? It's like, well, I guess now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and we've had uh host of, our, of, uh, other shows be like oh man is everyone there already i don't know if i'm gonna make it and we're like get here we're recording mm -hmm. all right all right all right and then they show up and it was it's a great episode or whatever and it, you need it's weird you have to be unbelievably self-motivated motivated but you do need that kind of network of people that are going to hold you to it and push you when you don't want absolutely I, I think especially now like you know, I think it's such a weird time that like whatever anyone is feeling like valid, man. Like, oh, yeah, yeah there's I, no like 
And it's like, hey, maybe you're absolutely stoked that you don't have to go out and you're just inside working. That's great. Or maybe it's the absolute worst thing ever. And that's also equally, I guess, not great, but understandable. Like, and then there's like, for me, it goes back and forth, you know, like I'll wake up one day and for no reason, walk outside and go, damn, today is sick. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to write the best shit. It's going to be dope. And then I go meet up with my dudes and we do it. And then the next day with the exact same starting place, I wake up, it's the same weather. I go outside. There's nothing more or less on my plate. And I go, wow, today is one of the worst days that I have (laughs) ever experienced. Nothing good will come of it. Fuck you, sun that's shining. You're too warm. Then a breeze comes and it's too cold. And it's like, you know, uh, you can come here. Wrong. It's literally snowing right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, but then you'd wake up one day and it's, oh my God, the snow is so beautiful and it's nice and crisp and it keeps me up. And then the next day it's like, go away, snow, I hate you. Like, it's, oh. it has nothing to do with what's going on. It's just that inner. of being locked in like dude i would kill to be able to roll back from the studio like three or four in the morning and stop at one of my all-night places and just have like a tuna melt like just like a shitty sandwich but like not worry about masks not have to be like like, closed in partitions and exactly it's like oh i touched i touched the uh i touched the chair better sanitize like i cannot wait for that to be done just the idea of sitting down and having a snack would be like oh yeah uh i interviewed uh charlie houston last week and she was talking about how she's heard talk of and, and kind of feels like that post covid there'll be a renaissance where all these creative mm-hmm. people have been locked away and are gonna be like i have a crazy idea or like festivals everywhere and oh i think do you think that's i don't happen? know when it'll oh for sure i don't know when it'll be and that's that's the thing that worries me is like I'm like, I'm looking back historically and, you know, there was a, I forget what it, my buddy Max, who I work with, both of us are like, we read everything we can. And like, uh, both of us have always loved history. And that was like yep. my jam and only subject in school I liked. And he was reading up on it. I guess there was a coronavirus outbreak in the 1800s in China that uh, a very similar kind of thing. It was a lot more deadly actually than the one we have now, but a coronavirus that jumped and it took about 20 years to attenuate into the common cold. Uh, granted, this is the 1800s and very different landscape. And uh, disclaimer here, like this is my secondhand knowledge. I've not read right. up on this particular one. But that scares me. It's like, shit, 20 years. Like even the idea of two more years of this is like killing me. Um, but I'm hoping it's very, 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 very close because we're starting to kind of get this vaccine moving and starting to kind of figure it all out. But dude, I think it's going to be nuts. So after this is over, because look at the twenties, it was the roaring twenties for a reason. You have world war one. Then yeah. you have the Spanish flu pandemic, which was way worse than this. Mm-hmm. And then everyone said, all right, fuck it. Let's party for 10 years. Like, uh, you know, I'll, be, I think, I'll be down with that until I'm 56. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm stoked. I think, I think a lot it's a really, really, really horrible time. And I, I, you know, I have a lot of people who I'm close with who have lost loved ones. I, you know, have lost, uh, thankfully nobody super close, but, you know, definitely, uh, uh, acquaintances and, and some friends have had close calls. Like it's, it's not good by any means. And it's a really rough time, I think for everyone. But I think at the end of this, hopefully 
some good will come out of it. Hopefully, you know, it unites people in a way. I mean, everything, everyone is so polarized now with whether it's politics or anything else. Hopefully this brings people together in some weird way. They're Uh, polarized, polarized over pineapple on pizza. I mean, dude, it's the weirdest time. It's the weirdest time. And also that's an easy one to settle. Pineapple on pizza is super rank. If we're talking classic pizza, if it's like, real proper new york pizza you don't want pineapple on it but if it's if it's the cheesy bread with sauce a lot of people <laughs> call pizza you put whatever you want on it and it's bomb like yeah, <laughs> my, i i live in la and when i get the cheesy marinara soaked bread that people call pizza here of course i'll put pineapple on it because it has nothing to do with real pizza and it's just a weird confection but it's awesome like i'll mix everything give me Give me onions and chorizo and basil. Throw some pineapple on there, peppers, jalapenos. <laughs> fuck it. Just like whatever you got. But if it's like dollar slice, dollar slice is a very specific thing. That's cheese and sauce and pizza. There's no pineapple on that. Says a New York. It's very kid. easy to sell. There's no there's there's no there's no need to get worked up. There's there's a time and place for both. They're just different things. Nice. Um so <laughs> When your PR person reached out to me and, and I, I kind of did a little research on you, um, I was like, all right, I don't want to ask him the questions that everyone is going to ask him because that's what we try. I, I, I want to talk about what, we, what you want to talk about, but I'm going to ask because I'm a freaking huge, huge fan. And this isn't directly about you. So I didn't really want to go there, but go. how did you get Brian Cranston for a fucking video? <laughs> Dude. Okay. So that was wild. Um, Brian, I've known kind of forever. Uh, my mom has been tight with him for like, I, you know, I don't know, 40 years or something, 35 yeah. years. Like they go way, way back. Like he, uh, I was watching home videotapes with my papa in Texas over the holidays. And uh, it's my uncle's wedding in like, you know, 1986 or something. And uh, the camera guy flips the camera around and waves, and it's Brian. Like, it's like they go way, way back. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And, uh, yeah, it's super weird. And, uh, but super cool. And he's, you know, I, uh, I became a huge Malcolm in the Middle fan when I was in middle school. I loved that show. Yeah. Um, and then that's when my mom's like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm friends with Brian. It's like, what? Because then it was, you know, he, he was, yeah. uh, this is before Breaking Bad or anything. I just yeah. you know, thought he was awesome. And, uh, when I lived in New York, he actually came to a few shows when I was in uh, the band and super, super sweet guy. I mean, in addition to being, you know, one of the most iconic and just ridiculously, ridiculously talented actors. Oh, um, he's amazing. Of our time. Yeah. Oh, he's I, like, he's next level. And it's, you know, he's not just Breaking Bad. He's so amazing in that role. But everything he does, he does with such artistry and such care he really is just a a wonderful and ridiculously talented dude but on top of that he is also just the coolest dude (laughs) hilarious yeah and i i mean i we're not like you know i i'm not crazy tight with him but every experience i've had with him he is so supportive he he came out to a couple shows in new york was so so sweet hilarious just a down-to-earth great dude like he's just such an awesome dude yeah and uh i've seen uh interviews and i saw him on hot ones and it's just like 
every bit of him just seems like he's the kind of guy that you're like, oh my god, like he just seems the nicest human being. And oh yeah, like yeah. he is just you know I I've been lucky where I've I've gotten to meet a lot of heroes too musically mostly, but like you know you start to realize everyone's just a person yeah. and people can be amazing and some people are just assholes. Uh, <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> Brian is definitely in the absolutely amazing category. I can't. Uh, say enough about him as a dude and he really really helped me out with this one so i um i i've been working with some partners and they really wanted me to do a cover and it was one of those things where like i knew i could sing the shit out of memories i chose it because i'm like i can absolutely crush this vocally uh and it's a cool song like i yeah. I, I really like the song i knew i could kill it but i'm like Okay, there are people on YouTube, there are dudes who like their whole thing is covers mm -hmm. and they absolutely crush it. Like that's their passion, that is their art and they're so great at it. And it's like, I love playing other people's songs that I love, but like that's not me. And it's like, how do I, you know, it comes down to like, what were you talking about? Like how, what can I do that someone else can't do? Where, you know, someone can make an amazing, amazing cover video. And if that's your passion, you're always going to beat the guy who's doing it really well, but with not with the same amount of passion. Right. Um, yeah. So I didn't want to do like, I was going to say B rate. Let's say a minus rate. I didn't want to do okay. an a minus <laughs> level. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'd still make it great, but like, I, I didn't want to do something that I wasn't passionate about because mm -hmm. it, it just never works out to the full um, extent. So it's like, okay, how can I make this interesting? For starters, it's not going to be a normal cover video. I wanted to have some sort of weird plot. I want something to happen. Yeah. And it's like, okay, memories. Let's let's somehow tie it in with, uh, you know, some something larger. Looking back on something, or you know, mm -hmm. um, and I'm like stumped, right? I'm like, I don't know what to do. And uh, then I was on this drive, and I I've never you know, driven as much as I have, uh, let's not count tour. Uh, but like, you know, personally, I was always too young on tour, so I couldn't drive the van. Yeah. So I was just sitting chilling, but I've never driven, driven proper as much as since quarantine started. Cause like you want to get out. My girlfriend and I have gone on a, a bunch of like mini road trips. And I remember we're driving, we're out kind of driving in the desert and I'm always, I've never run out of gas in my life. Uh, I'm so on top of shit. And I start seeing the gas going like, uncomfortably low <laughs> and and, and there, at first it's like oh i got a quarter tank but i'm looking around like there is not shit around me yeah. it's like okay like something will come soon then it's starting to go under a corner it's like yeah nothing nothing's come yet um so it's just getting spookier and spookier and it ended up being fine but i kind of got this idea for this video i got this wild idea of like wait a second like let's let's jump off that like that would be that would be horrible. Imagine running out of gas out here. I'm like, but so I I was talking to my mom and I'm like explaining. I'm like, we really need a video. I had this great idea. Do you think Brian would do it? Um, and she's like, I don't know. Ask him. So I I emailed him and I emailed him the song. I kind of filled him in on what I was doing musically. Showed him a couple other things. It was like, I don't want to put you out. I yeah. so understand. Like I, I totally get it. But I, I gotta ask. I gotta ask. Um, and he was like, Yeah, sounds great. I'd love to help. And it was like, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, so he was down. So then it came to like, okay, figuring out where we're going to shoot this because we can't drive out to where I was before. That was so far out. And like, we're figuring it all out. And like, we made it happen. But 
uh, he was so cool about it. Like he, uh, he was like, dude, the song sounds great. I'd love to help. And it was, uh, that email was just like, Oh my God. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. It's like so many, we've gotten to do so many weird things to the podcast. People are like, how'd you do that? I'm like, I just asked. Exactly. That's, yeah. I think the craziest thing too is like, and I think it shows like when I don't ask a lot, it's very rare. I ask people to do stuff because I don't want to be the guy who always asks for shit. Yeah. But I'm also not afraid to ask when I need to ask. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think you never know till you ask. So I asked and he was down and, uh, it was amazing. Like I, I had, it's the coolest thing to like have some crazy idea and go, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could do this kind of video? And then like a little while later, you're like, shit, I am doing this crazy video. Like, <laughs> and dude, you have no idea. So I, that Chevy was not mine. Um, I was going to say, obviously, I guess not obviously if you don't know me, but definitely not mine. Yeah. Um, it was this nice. Well, if you're talking about working retail in delis, I mean. <laughs> like, well, I, I, drive a, I drive an old Ford. Not old yeah. enough to be cool but old yep. enough that it's costing me way too much in maintenance right now. Um, but, uh, it's a, it was a 1975 Chevy blazer. So I pick it up and they're like, engine has been all checked out. The belts are brand new. We're good. I'm like, great. so I'm driving out and I'm driving uh, on the highway and I knew it was going to be a really hot day. It was already and it's open air and the AC doesn't work very well. So I'm like, I already know it's very hot. And as I get closer and closer to the desert, it gets hotter and hotter. So finally, I'm, I'm getting there, and it's about 110 degrees out, and I'm coming over this hill, and the whole time, I'm watching the engine temperature, because like, you know, yeah, sure. I just want to be sure we're good. And the whole entire time, right in the middle, great, chugging along, totally fine. As I come over this hill, literally as I'm going downhill, when everything should be fine, uh, I, get a, I get a weird sound and a weird smell, and <laughs> I look, and all of a sudden, because this is like, this is an old truck yeah. this is like a real proper gauge not some digital readout the gauge goes past the red this thing is as far slammed as it can possibly be and I'm like this is really not good and then smoke starts coming up so it's 110 degrees out i'm supposed to be on set at like one o'clock and this is like 12 30 i planned everything out to get there like 15 minutes before because yep. we couldn't get in um, to film before one o'clock. We weren't permitted. Uh, and I like, I'm very punctual. I'm good with that shit when I need to be. Uh, but I also didn't want to sit in 110, 115 degree weather oh, in an open course. air 1975 yeah. Chevy for any longer than I had to. So I 1975 is not a bad year, uh, Evan. <laughs> <sighs> it, it's not a bad year. It's a bad year for AC and cars. I'll tell no, you that. That's, that, um, you that. that. But, uh, so I pull off the side of the road. I'm supposed to be there in 20 minutes. I'm 30 minutes away. Um, and a couple of the guys I was on the shoot with luckily saw me and pulled over a belt snapped in the engine, these brand new belts. It's like, shit. One of them's like, all right, you guys go ahead. I'll stay and get a tow truck. So we go to set, we start setting up and we get a call when we're about five minutes out from being there. And he goes, yeah. Uh, so the tow truck overheated and broke down. Shut um, up. We, That's crazy. He's like, I, I had to call another tow truck. So he gets a second tow truck. He brings it. At this point, we only have from one to seven to shoot this whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's already like two something. The truck gets there. We unload. Uh, we're in the truck and it starts, I didn't even know this was possible, dry striking lightning all around us. I guess when it's humid enough, if the temper, like the temperature, humidity, and all this shit has to be right, but you can get like aggressive striking lightning with no rain. 
Yeah. So we're sitting on this flat open area in a big hunk of lead with striking lightning all around us. <laughs> I'm really not vibing with that. It's yeah. just like, this is not good. So then after a minute, we're like, okay, we, we got to stop. And we're trying to fly a drone. Like We're like, okay, we have to stop. Then it starts pouring rain, like torrential. Keep in mind, it's still 110 degrees out. <laughs> right, right as it stops, Brian pulls up. And then a sandstorm starts. And I don't oh mean my a God. Bit of dust. I mean, yeah. I mean, you literally cannot open your eyes outside. So we're all sitting in cars, just like twiddling our thumbs. And uh, we had to shoot the whole thing in like the last hour. Um, but, but we made it work. We made it work. And I, I think that's, that's one of those things where you, you go, it's part of being kind of like a creative person. Like you have plans, they never go according to plan. And it's all a matter of like yeah. what, what you can do with what you actually have. And it, 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 it's that we made it work somehow. And you look back and you're like, I don't know yeah. how that happened, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so, so gratifying to see the video and I'll be like, all right, not only is it done, it's sick, but there is definitely a moment where I'm like, are we going to have a video? <laughs> is this a huge waste of money? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, man, this was so great. I appreciate you talking to us. Uh, where can people go Dude, online? I so to... appreciate you having me. Yeah. I mean, we kind of went over time, but it was such a good time. I didn't want to stop. It was such a good conversation. I love talking to you. It's like anytime yeah. we get to talk about art with another artist, I'm in. Um, yeah. yeah um, so you can find me. Where can on... they go? My, I mean, my main social uh, is Instagram at it's Evan Stanley. That's mm -hmm. I'm always on it. You can reach me there. Tell me what you think. And uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all of them. Uh, every social platform at it's Evan Stanley, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Deezer, Title, Amazon, whatever you use. I'm everywhere. If you find me, uh, type in Evan Stanley on any DSP or at it's Evan Stanley on any social. Nice, man. And like I said, thank you so much for talking to us. Wish you the best of luck. You're welcome anytime to come on. Just let Dude. us know. We'll have you on. And uh, to Thank our you so much, man. I appreciate it. No, anytime. And to our listeners, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys again next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can find us on all social medias at inebriart or on Instagram at inebriart6. You can email us at inebriart at yahoo.com. And make sure you listen to the other podcasts on the Inebriart Podcast Network, including Bar Talk, Old Colony Cast, Retro Redoctopus, America's Hometown Horror Podcast, and our newest one, Theme Park Legends, a podcast about working at theme parks. What else? And we'll catch you again next time.